so grateful. How many know that there's so much in here? Some we get, some we don't get. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, Someone just held up some change, Terry. Is that something we're doing later? Okay. All right. So it's later. (laughs) So much. After 42 years, I still don't know much. (laughs) But... I have determined to be unstoppable in my pursuit of God in spite of life happening because life happens. How many know that? Life happens. And life can be hard sometimes, right? As a church family, we just experienced that. I love you, Preston. I love Jean Marie. Sometimes we face things that we don't get. And um, I figured if I knew everything about God, I would be part of the Trinity. <laughs> right? If I had it all figured out, I would be one of the three. <laughs> but I'm not. And you're probably really glad, too. <laughs> Really glad that Suzette is not one of the three, (laughs) if you know me at all. (laughs) Maybe if you do know me, maybe you think, well, maybe she'd know. No, (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, Gosh, there's so much in this word, and and, Lord, help me. Um, I'm actually going to talk about... Kind of what last time I talked, because this is a topic that I'm just on in my meditation and the study of scripture. And so I'm going to probably say some things I said last time, and, and of course, you know, maybe you won't even remember, and that's be okay too. You just like fresh stuff. <laughs> but um, it is where I'm at. I'm just really thinking and meditating in this arena, this topic about God. And I'm going to start with one scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. And I do have the Amplified. I like the word of God to be loud. <laughs> so I have the Amplified version. I do like the Amplified. Now, my husband, on the other hand, he kind of likes not so much. But (laughs) that's the beauty of who he is and the beauty of who I am. Yay! (laughs) I am who I am. And um, anyway, so here's what it says. But it is from him that that you have your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom from God, revealed to us knowledge of the divine plan of salvation previously hidden, manifesting itself as, that's what that word wisdom means, 
revealed to us the knowledge of the divine plan of salvation previously hidden manifesting itself as our righteousness. And what is that? Making us right, upright, putting us in right standing with God. And our consecration, another word would be our sanctification, our consecration. That means set apart, set apart for God. Making us pure and holy. And our redemption. He provided our ransom from eternal penalty for sin. The other meaning of that word redemption is buying back something that really is rightfully yours. I love that. I love, I love the fact that before I accepted Christ, I was rightfully his. Everyone that's created in his image is rightfully his. And so he made a plan hidden from all of eternity, hidden until that moment in what scripture tells us is the fullness of time, right? The fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Hallelujah. Why do we think it had to happen way back when? Why didn't he do it before that? Who knows? That part we don't know, but he said that was the fullness. That was the fullness of time. He sent forth his son. So he bought you back. He bought me back. We rightfully belong to him. I am so thankful that he made known the plan, and that is the beauty of God, is that he really wants us to know him. He really wants us to know him. Now again, preface that with the reality that if I knew everything about him, every detail, I would be a part of the Trinity. You would be a part of the Trinity. There is some mystery to God. If we understood every single detail about every thought and every plan in every way, I would venture to say that he probably wouldn't be God. He would be down on our plane of humanity because we get it all. I mean, honestly, how many of you have figured out men or how many of you have figured out women? <laughs> we can't even figure them out, <laughs> let alone figure God out. I mean, you know. But there's some things we know and understand. But he wants us to know him. And he devised an incredible plan to reveal himself, did he not? The book of Hebrews, what does the book of Hebrews tell us? Is that Jesus was the exact, exact image of God. And so if we want to know God, we must study Jesus. We must look at how he acted and what did he do, right? I mean, Paul in Corinthians, I mean, I don't even know. I didn't read the entire book as I've been studying this. I've kind of just been stuck on like the first three chapters for a while. But he just talks about the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God, and the foolishness of the wisdom of man talks about that all the time, and, and then we see in that scripture that I read that he sent Jesus, who made, whom God made our wisdom, our wisdom. So if you want wisdom, you really do want Jesus. He, he helps 
us to see and understand some things about life. Um, we know we live in a fallen world, but we, we can't use that as an excuse as believers, can we? Because he certainly did send his son, revealed himself, and said, you can do this too. You can do this too. You can live as I lived. You know, I, I look at Peter and I think so many people really bash Peter. You know, he is the one that denied Jesus three times. But he was also the one who, when Jesus came walking on the water, said, hey, if that's you, he, he, he had a little bit of understanding that if that's you, I, I can do this. Right? And I don't believe that when he started to sink and Jesus pulled him up, that Jesus was reprimanding him in, in such a, like, you know, you don't ever get it, Peter. No. <laughs> I think Jesus was pretty doggone happy that Peter was willing to say, hey, if that's you, bid me come. And then when his frailty of humanity started kicking in because he saw the natural around him and Jesus picked him up and said, oh, ye of little faith. You know, we know that we don't have everything that Jesus said or did in here. My word. I like to think that when he picked up Peter and said, ye of little faith, that he whispered in his ear and said, well done. Good job. You stepped out of the boat. Right? He's also the one that said, you are the Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? You know, man didn't reveal this to you. In other words, God's talking to you. And that's the thing. God's talking to us from his word, and he's still talking. He's still talking to us. He wants us to know him. In chapter 2 in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, I resolve to know nothing, nothing but Jesus Christ crucified. I don't want to know anything. And I'm thinking if Paul the Apostle, who wrote the majority in the New Testament, says, I don't want to know anything but that, that somehow, you know, and of course from all of his writings, there's something to be known about that reality of, I don't want to know anything except for Christ crucified. Because Christ crucified, as it says in that verse 30, is the wisdom, the righteousness, the consecration, and our redemption. It's everything we need, right, to live this life. Everything is wrapped up in the fact that Jesus came and he died. He died. But he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay dead. He rose again. And everything that Jesus lived out while he walked upon this planet was to reveal to us the reality of what it means to walk with him, what it means to be a son of the living God. I think about 
again, the, the whole feeding of the 5,000 in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6 is such an incredible passage. In the very beginning of Mark chapter 6, what happens? What happens is that John the Baptist is beheaded. Now, Jesus loved John the Baptist. It was his cousin. He loved him, I would say, on the natural plane. That's my cousin. That's my cousin. That's my blood. That's my family. But he also loved him because we know what was said of John the Baptist, that he was the greatest prophet to come. He was the greatest. He was the forerunner. So I think Jesus loved him on a plane beyond the natural, too. He loved him. And then it says that Jesus, um, in that story of that, he, he wanted to go and be alone. And he wanted to grieve because it hurt. It hurt. And so then when he... I'm trying to remember if they got out, out of the boat, they went by boat. I'm drawing a blank on that, but I think that's a moot point. <laughs> anyway, wherever he came to, <laughs> all of a sudden, here's all these people, all these people. And it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. And he began to minister to them. I mean, one of my prayers, I'm just being real with you, one of my prayers lately before the Lord is that, Lord, I want to be kind. I want to be kind. And you might think, well, gosh, you seem pretty kind. I want to be kind up here, too. (laughs) I want this thought life to be kind as well. In other words, that my first thought about someone would be kind, would be full of compassion, maybe, if need be, full of love. So here's Jesus, sees all these people. They're like, there they are, they're in need. So he's moved with compassion. Again, Jesus came to reveal the Father, and he came to show us how to walk this life. And I don't know about you, I haven't done a, like, perfect job of it. (laughs) But again, I say, I am unstoppable in my pursuit. I will not stop. I will not. Life has been hard sometimes, but I'm not going to stop. Because my Savior redeemed me. He bought back. He paid the price for me. I try to keep in the mode of being grateful. Be grateful. Because I know where I was headed. And it wasn't good. So I try to just live grateful in spite of junks, junk of life and things of life and keep pursuing. How many times have I said to the Lord throughout all these years is I don't get it. I don't get it, God. But you're it. You're it. I've tasted the world. 
And I cannot say that I've tasted of the world and say, oh, it was good. I can't say that. Maybe some of you can say that. I don't know. I can't. I can't say that I thought it tasted good to be out there doing sinful things. Scripture tells us that sin is kind of fun for a season. I had some fun. (laughs) I did have some fun, but I can't say that it was good. It didn't taste good, unlike the scripture that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Even when we don't understand when it doesn't look like it. Anybody experience that? Yes. We all have. But here he is, the feeding of the 5,000. He has compassion. And then the disciples come up and say, Jesus, these people need to be fed. We need to send them away because we're kind of in a desolate place. So we need, we need, they need food. And depending on which gospel, but in the gospel of Mark, he looks at him and goes, you feed them. What? You feed him. I can't remember the amount of the denarii. Even this amount of denarii, which I think in the Amplified, it's, I remember $40. I remember it being $40 as the translation into our dollars. Even $40 would not be enough because we know it's the feeding of the 5,000, but that was only men, not including the women and children. And Jesus is saying, you feed them. And then they say, well, all we have is five loaves and a couple fish. That's it. Well, give them me. Again, there's, there's a, a huge thing, right? Give them to Jesus. <laughs> He's pointing at the disciples and say, you can do this. In fact, I'm asking you to do this. I'm telling you to do it. But in and of yourself, it is impossible. Jesus is always trying to get us to lift our eyes above the natural to the impossible. Right? I mean, I'm preaching this sermon, and I can't say that I've seen... um, Have I seen a miracle? Yeah. I've seen some miraculous things. One person raised from the dead. Not that I prayed. I was in the room. I've seen people healed. I have yet to see blind eyes open, but I'm unstoppable. I'm unstoppable because the word of God says that I can. And I don't say that, that I'm unstoppable, like, look at me, good job, Suzette. I'm making it as really a declaration in front of you, a declaration of that's my heart. Is I, I, I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up just because I have not seen something. I don't want to give up. Which takes me back to the reality of the world, I, I can't see that the world has a whole lot to offer. 
And even if I have a God who sometimes I don't get and is mysterious in ways, my experience over 42 years of walking with Jesus has been there isn't a single thing that he has ever done for me that I deserved. I didn't deserve any of it. But he came. He came to be my wisdom, my righteousness, my consecration, and my redemption. And so here they are. Feed them. Give me what you have. What does Jesus do? He lifts it up before heaven. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And then he begins to hand it to the disciples, and we know the story. It gets multiplied, right? And then at the end, they have 12 baskets. And these baskets are just little tiny. We're not talking great big baskets. They're like little hand baskets is what it means. So there is enough for the disciples, which is interesting. It didn't say 13 because Jesus makes 13, right? He didn't get his own little basket. I'm not going to come up with any kind of spiritual thing with that. I'm just kind of curious. (laughs) Why didn't he have one? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But I I think he lived (laughs) well-fed, spiritually for sure. You know, but... um, But in that chapter in Mark, it's one of the interesting, really interesting scriptures... And I want to I want to read it because I want to make sure I say it right. So, because after the feeding of the five thousand, um, he Jesus tells them, "Go get in the boat and go," right? And then, um, so they're out in the boat, and Jesus goes off by himself. And then, at the fourth watch of the night, which is three to six a.m., he came walking to them, and. Um, And they were frightened, but immediately he talked with them and said, Take heart, I am. Stop being alarmed and afraid. So the winds then ceased. So they were afraid. They were afraid with what was going on in the natural on that lake in the boat. They were afraid. And these were hardy fishermen, right? They're hardy fishermen. They, they know what it's like to be out on the lake when the storm comes. Maybe that's why they were afraid, because they've been afraid many other times, right? Maybe. I don't know. But this next verse is very, very interesting. It says in um, 652, For they failed to consider or understand the teaching and meaning of the miracle of the loaves. In fact, their hearts had grown callous, become dull, and lost the power of understanding. Of course, that's the amplified version of it. So here they are. They had just seen the miraculous provision of God with five loaves and two fish. Jesus sends them out on the boat. The storm arises. They're hardy fishermen. They understand. Not all of them were fishermen, but the fishermen that were among them, 
knew how to deal with a boat in a storm, but they were afraid, and they were afraid when they saw Jesus. They failed to consider the meaning of the miracle of the loaves. Because I think the one thing that I would say that Jesus is always trying to do, again, he's trying to show us how to live in the realm of God and not in the realm of flesh, right? Because Jesus didn't come to just do the miraculous and say it's all, you know, only I can do this. Because he was always saying, I mean, why would Jesus even look at the disciples and say, you feed them? Why would he even say that to them? if he didn't understand that when you mix frail humanity with the power of God and the presence of God, you get something more than what is going on in the natural. I want to see more of that. I do. I want to see more of that. In Corinthians... um, Chapter 2, one of the things that Paul says, you know, he said, I resolved to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. But then he goes on to say how he, you know, was there in weakness and fear and great trembling. And my language and my message were not set forth in persuasive words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. A proof by the spirit and power of God operating on me and stirring in the minds of my hearers the most holy emotions and thus persuading them. I love the Amplified there, first of all, because I love emotions. Does anybody know that I love emotions? Like one of the, probably the most emotional people in this church. I'm always crying about something. <laughs> it's rare for me to get through a worship service without crying. Because I'm so grateful. I am so grateful. And then we sing these powerful songs, and I just I get moved on. Because I'm so grateful that I'm saved. And I, I, I can say without, you know, really being trite in this, is that if Jesus never did anything but save me, I'd be grateful. I'd be grateful. Because I know who I am. I know who I was before I came to Jesus, and I know who I am day to day. That's why I have a prayer where I want to be kind. First, kindness here. I might be able to get nice words out here, but man, I want it in my brain. I want kindness to be the first thought. The first thought, kindness and love. And John and I were having that conversation in the prayer room this morning about, you know, that it's easy. You you don't have to be mature to move in the power of God. I mean, lots of people can move in the power of God and, and, the, and the gifts of the Spirit without really being mature, but it takes a little bit more uh, to be mature to love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness. What are the rest of them? Patience. I know there's nine. <laughs> How many did I get out? <laughs> I don't even know now. But um, it, it takes maturity to walk in that. 
you know, and one of them is joy. And Jesus was anointed with joy above all of his brethren. So it takes maturity to walk in joy. Hmm. Yeah. It takes maturity because we live in a world that stuff happens. Stuff happens. And so you have to choose the character of God. Choose love. Choose peace. Choose joy. Choose faithfulness. Choose gentleness. Choose that loving kindness. And God is looking for a mature people. But I am convinced the greatest maturity comes when both the power and the gifts of God are so dovetailed together with the character of God that you get to move in the gifts with the character of God. That that's, that is, I think, the mature man. Because he gave us the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate in them, in this world, in this natural plane. He wants the supernatural to happen. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> I want to see that. I do. And I won't stop. I won't stop. Scripture tells us that the righteous are bold as a lion. I can tell you something. I need boldness. I can be bold. I'm much bolder than I used to be. But am I bold out in public to declare the message of Jesus if he were to ask me to go up to a stranger and do that? I'm getting better, you know, getting stronger in that. But um, I want to be bold. I want to be bold like a lion. Think about a lion. Really, a lion has no predators. Have you ever watched a documentary that lions get killed other than by man himself? Men are probably his own, own, only predator is man. But out in their natural realm, there is, I don't think, I can't think, anybody think of any? Yeah, I don't think so either. So the righteous are as bold as a lion, and a lion's roar can be heard for like a mile or more. And the righteous are as bold as a lion. They're the king of the jungle. They're not, they're not really too terribly frightened by anything. I think man is probably more frightened by a lion than a lion is frightened by a man. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And I think the more boldness that we can get is the more we draw near to God and understand his ways, and he wants us to understand them. I love in the same chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it talks about, um, let's see, where do I want to start? <laughs> well, let's start here. It, says, it talks about, and this is an Old Testament scripture, but the, on the contrary, as the scripture says, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared, made, and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him. That's a hard one, isn't it? Right there. And gratefully recognizing the benefits he has bestowed. 
Yet to us, chapter, uh, verse 10, yet to us, now that's interesting there, okay, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, all that God has intended for us to know about. Yet to us, God has unveiled and revealed them by and through his spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden and beyond man's scrutiny. For what person perceives, knows, and understands what passes through a man's thoughts except for the man's own spirit within him. In other words, I don't know what John is thinking right now. I don't know what Vince, I don't know what Renee is thinking right now. But they know, don't they? That's what that says, that for what person perceives what passes through a man's thought except the man's own spirit within him, within him. Just so no one discerns the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Okay, now listen to this next scripture. So no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit that belongs to the world, but the Holy Spirit, who is from God, given to us that we might realize and comprehend and appreciate the gifts of divine favor and blessing so freely and lavishly bestowed on us by God. No one understands a man's thoughts except for the spirit within him. We have been given the spirit of God. No, Are you getting this? No one understands the thoughts of man except for the spirit of man within him. We have been given the Spirit of God. So we can know and realize and appreciate and comprehend this divine favor and blessing so freely, lavishly bestowed on us by God. Verse 16 says, For who has known or understood the mind? the counsels, the purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge? That's a question that Paul asks. But we have the mind of Christ and do hold the thoughts and feelings and purposes of his heart. So that's the reality from his scripture. That's the reality from his scripture. We have his spirit so we can know him. Now I stand before you, how well do I know God? I know him better than I did when I first started. I can say that with confidence. (laughs) Right? And I say as a declaration again is I'm going to be unstoppable in knowing him. Because I personally have experienced his favor and his kindness in my life. I've experienced his provision on so many occasions. Crazy provision. Fun provision. God has given me things that were actually frivolous. They had no eternal value. I just said I wanted them once. And then he says, here. Think about flowers. God created flowers. What's the eternal value of flowers? They're beautiful, right? But do they save the world? How many flowers can you eat? A few. 
few you can actually eat. I'm not sure what the nutritional value of those flowers are, but you can eat them. Carnations are one. Roses are one. God likes pretty things. I mean, think about what Jesus said about the lilies of the field. He said, consider the lilies of the field. They don't toil or spin, but yet they are greater arrayed than, who was it, Solomon's vestiges. They don't toil or spin. They pretty much don't do anything. But God likes them. (laughs) Otherwise, he wouldn't have created them. He likes beauty. He likes color and and fun things that God is fun. You know, sometimes we can get so caught up in his holiness, which we should, but part of that holiness is the beauty of his holiness. (laughs) Scripture talks about that, the beauty of his holiness, right? Well, I think some of the beauty of his holiness is shown up in creation with lilies that don't toil or spin. There they are. He just scatters all these beautiful things and says, here, enjoy. I'm enjoying them. Why don't you? (laughs) They were in my mind. Now you enjoy them. So, anyway, God is good God is good. And I think one of the passions of my heart, and I, I hope that I communicate it in my life, and I communicate it when I stand up here and um, talk about God's word. I mean, if there's anything I could, I mean, if I could make it happen in every heart, that I come in contact with, it would be that they would understand how much they're loved by God and how he wants them to know him and that he wants to be near um, no matter what, no matter what happens in life. I've experienced enough of that kind of stuff. And that's why I'm grateful. That's why I'm grateful is because in the midst of stuff that has happened in my life, things in the physical realm, things in the spiritual realm, things in the relational realm that have been hard, I'm have experienced his goodness. And some of them I haven't, to this day, been able to figure out why did that happen. Sometimes he tells us things, sometimes he doesn't. But I have made it my lifelong passion to keep pursuing, trusting, and getting to know this God who is willing to die for me, willing to die for you. And so I, I, I wish I could just, like, put it in everybody's heart. Just, just keep going after God. Keep going after God. Keep going after God. 
And it's not that I haven't been mad at God. I have been mad at God. I would have to honestly say it was one time. I'm a quick learner. (laughs) I got mad one time. I was so ticked off at God for what he was going to do that I didn't want to do. I didn't want to do it. Like I said, I'm a quick learner. Once was enough. Once was enough for me. Maybe it might take two or three, and that's okay. If it takes two or three with you, it doesn't matter. I'm just telling you my story. This is my story. I got mad once, and it was enough. (laughs) And if it takes more for you, that's between you and your Jesus. (laughs) Right? So I don't want anybody to feel like, oh, (laughs) and feel guilty. No, 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 no. Well, let's have communion. I love communion. I love, 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 love communion. We know in Scripture that it says on the night he was betrayed, (laughs) he... He took the fourth cup in the whole, because there was more than cup, more than one cup in this Last Supper. They were doing the Passover, and that fourth cup is the cup of redemption. That's the cup he took, the cup of redemption. And he said, this is the new covenant. This is the new, you can pass it out, John. Go ahead. This is the new covenant. The new covenant is, I'm going to pay the price, and I'm going to buy you back because you're rightfully mine. I'm going to buy you back because you're rightfully mine. So this is this new covenant. This is what has been hidden for all the ages. And, and part of the mystery of that was hidden. I want you to understand because this is important. This is another reason why I'm grateful. Is that it was for the Gentiles. It wasn't just for the Jews. That was, that was one of the mysteries revealed. One of the mysteries revealed. It wasn't just for the Jewish people. It was for us Gentiles. Now, in our church, as far as we know, we only have one person that we know that we know that we know is Jewish. That dear heart doesn't come very often because she's 88 years old. But if any of you know Marilyn Kimmel, which I just saw her the other day, a dear heart. She's a little Jewish woman that on her 50th birthday came to know Jesus, not her birthday, but in her 50th year came to know her Messiah. The year of Jubilee. <laughs> and now she's 88. That's why we don't see her a lot because it's hard for her to get around. She doesn't drive anymore. Um, we have the possibility of some other Jewish people because a lot of Polish people are Jewish and we got some Polacks in this place (laughs) so we might have some more Jewish people but that's one of the mysteries that was hidden it wasn't just for the Jews it's for the Gentiles in other words God wants all to come to the saving knowledge of him he wants all of them to know his love and his grace and his mercy he wants them all to know that he paid the highest price for them He wants all of them to know that he took every one of their sins. 
He wants them to know that he was tempted in all ways. He wants them to know that there's more to life than what you experience in the natural realm. That there is a supernatural, glorious kingdom. And I love the fact that the kingdom, of course there's so many scriptures, so many scriptures. Again, one of the scriptures says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. There's that joy again. It's joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness in the, and peace. But it is from him that you have your life in Christ Jesus. This represents that. His, his body given his body given and on that night he was portrayed he took the bread and he broke it right he gave thanks but it is from him that you have your life in Christ Jesus this represents this life that we have in Christ Jesus his body given his blood shed when God made our wisdom our consecration we've been made pure we've been made set set apart we've been made holy because of what he did at the cross giving his body shedding his blood and he's our redemption he provided our ransom from the eternal advocate that we can say I'm sorry Jesus I didn't do that well please change this heart please change this mind because I don't want this mind renewed I do not want to think earthly, fleshly actually it, it talks about in the book of James I do believe that wisdom of this world is fleshly and demonic I don't want it He's become, made our wisdom. I want this wisdom. I don't want the demonic stuff. I've encountered the demonic. I've had the demonic have me in bondage. Where he could jerk my chain. 
One was fear, and I know a lot of you know that. It was fear. I was ruled by fear for years. I do not want demonic wisdom. I want the wisdom of God. So here we are. This represents that we do not have to be ruled by the devil. We do not have to even give him the time of day. He is one thing we can hate. And we can hate him with a perfect hatred. Beyond that, no hating. <laughs> Had someone asked me the other day when they got a flyer on their from a Baptist church on their door. <laughs> she said, "Do we like Baptists?" Yes, we do. We love Baptists. We love them all. <laughs> They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. <laughs> we may not always agree with every other denomination, but that's okay. I don't know about you, but in my immediate family, you know, the Tremblies, that's my maiden name, and uh, I have four stepbrothers, Dieters, and then there's some Minnicks and some Ridgeways and all these different names, right? that are part of my immediate blood family. We do not always agree, but I love every one of them. <laughs> love everyone. So here we are at communion. He gave his life so we could have that wisdom, the righteousness. We could have the consecration. We could have... first got saved, I was taught to plead the blood over just about everything. <laughs> plead the blood, plead the blood, plead the blood. Not a bad idea, actually. It's not a bad idea to keep that blood on the forefront of your heart and mind. Because he shed that blood for the redemption of your sin so you could be sin. What strength is represented in the communion? Because I don't know any man that would endure what Jesus endured and he was innocent. I don't know. He's the only one that's ever lived that was perfectly innocent, perfectly sin free. And what he endured in the beatings and the mocking, ripping out of his beard and the crown of thorns. He knew he had to get to the cross alive. He had to. Because that was what was foretold, that he would go to the cross and he would die. He had to get there. So he could give his life. No one took it. He gave it. He gave it. Thank you, Lord. I do plead this blood over every one of us. This blood that is power. Power to cleanse a sinner and make them a saint. That's what we are. We're not sinners saved by grace. If you know Jesus, you're not a sinner saved by grace. That's not scripture. 
You are a sinner who has now been made a saint by his grace. You're no longer a sinner. You have been made a new creation. And that word new means you're better than you were. Better than you were. anyone wants prayer I will gladly pray with you let's believe for the power of God because I would love to see some demonstration of the Holy Spirit here today so thank you Lord till heaven's over and we your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. So we, uh, I just got a text from Wade, and his three daughters are going to get baptized around about 20 minutes, about 12.30 if you want to come. So we'll go ahead and do this prayer and stuff, but... They're going to do that. It's going to be at our house in the pool, just like we did with Selah. So he texted me. He said couldn't be here this morning. So if you want to come to the house, we're going to just go ahead and go there. Okay? God bless. Let our voices rise. Oh, creation cries. Singing out it is Hallelujah From this moment on Join with heaven's song Singing out it is
to live this life like shooting stars yeah, burning up the night oh heaven open so we can arrive right here in your presence Lord. your presence Lord, will build my Sing out your name, sing out your 